You're listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. For more information, please visit our website at everynationgta.org. Good morning, everyone, and welcome. Uh, my name is Richard, if you don't know uh, who I am. And it's great to have you with us. Um, i got to say, it's uh, it's kind of weird being back online. We're so used to being in person. Now it's kind of reverse. So it's been a while since I've been uh, a tele-evangelist, a TV preacher, but happy to be beaming uh, to you wherever you're catching this uh, live or maybe later um, on YouTube. Um, and we're jumping into a series, our Lent series, uh, as we lead up to and build up to Easter, and I'm not sure what uh, familiarity you have with the church calendar, but Lent is, is traditionally the 40 days leading up to uh, Easter weekend. And um, the early church began to practice this. as They felt the, the significance of the Easter event of Jesus' death and resurrection was so important, was so influential, was so impactful that they began to really celebrate and uh, enter a time leading up to it uh, of just deep reflection, repentance, of really renewal um, as they look toward that event. And so 2,000 plus years later, across uh, different uh, denominations, across different um, traditions, uh, the Lent season, even culturally, you might find people who are not a particular faith, but they'll give up something for Lent, chocolate, whatever it is. And so it's a time for us as the church to enter into that as we uh, get ready for the significance of the Easter weekend. And so uh, typically we uh, we take a series that's a little bit more uh, reflectful, uh, a little bit more uh, looking at um, just our response to God in light of the world. And so this series is called When God Seems gone. Now, January was the gloomiest month in Toronto in over a decade. In other words, we didn't see the sun a lot in January. And maybe you felt that. I certainly felt that. I've been here now for 11 years, and this has been the worst winter that I've experienced. I don't mind cold. I don't mind snow. But when it's gloomy and wet and there's no snow, it makes for a tough time for a lot of people. But like we know, sun is always shining, right? It's just hidden behind those clouds. And so if you took off in the month of January on an airplane and you got above those clouds, you'd see that glorious ball of fire in the sky that we miss so much. And so we know it's there, but when we feel its absence, it really can impact for us. And so if you will, take that kind of metaphor and picture as we go through the series, When God Seems Gone. Now, people of faith, we know that that's obviously not true. Like God is everywhere. God is always present. He's all-knowing. There's never a place or a time that he is not. But what happens when we do experience times of seasons of feeling like his presence is absent from our life, from the lives of others, or as we look at the world, what happens when we have seasons of unanswered prayers or not yet answers to those prayers or when God just really does feel very far away? Um, I think what's, hap what's um, kind of made this even more, uh, I guess, significant for us is the 24-7 news feeds that we have access to now, social media and TV and that kind of thing. We get a 24-7 bombardment of all the suffering and the evil and the pain that's in our world that's going on everywhere all the time, you know, in a time past, you might have just been your own people and neighbors, but now we can see the devastation of evil across the world and it can make us feel even more like, God, where are you? And so our souls, we cry out for an answer to this. And I don't think it's so much, God, do you exist as God, do you care? 
that is really sometimes the cry of our hearts. And so this series, we're going to be asking those questions, some hard questions, but getting to some great answers. Uh, we're going to be asking, what do we do when God seems slow, when he seems um, just distant from our lives, when he seems unfair in what he's doing, when he seems wrong, or when he even disappoints us? And so today, we're going to kick it off with when God seems silent. And we're going to go back to a prophet from some 2,600 years ago, Habakkuk, and we're going to hear and read from him. And just to give you a very brief context, in fact, we did a, a lengthy series on this uh, short book uh, some years ago, if you want to go get, uh, look it up on our website. But for today's purposes, Habakkuk is a prophet, and it's really a dire time for his nation. It's a dire time of circumstances. The, the people of God have really left God in many ways. There's a lot of uh, dissension, what you'll hear now in his lament before God. And they're under the threat of being taken over by the most dominant empire of that time, the Babylonian Empire. And so Habakkuk is a, a short book of his really praying to God and crying out to God amidst his challenging circumstances. So let's join him in the first three verses, uh, sorry, verses two to four uh, in chapter one. He says, Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. And so we'll pause there. Some really heartfelt words, and maybe you can identify with some of that. And maybe his time is not so distant from our time. And we look at our world and we see injustice. We see violence. We see strife. We see uh, contention arise. And so um, if you've ever heard the phrase, the silence is deafening, sometimes the silence of God can be deafening when we don't have answers to the questions uh, that we're crying out. And so Habakkuk teaches us many things, but a couple of things that we want to zone in on today is our approach to God is everything. When we're going through a challenging time, or we're seeing some other people go through a challenging time, or we're just aware of the challenge our world is in right now, how we approach God with that angst, with that buildup of frustration or despair uh, is really everything. And it can tell us a lot about how we view God or how we relate to God. If you've ever listened to yourself pray, or probably if you've listened to others pray, you can get a quick indication of just sometimes how we uh, interact with God. Maybe, maybe we have very, very proper prayers Maybe we feel like God is very distant, aloof. We might even pray in old um, King James English. In fact, some of our um, early church prayers have a lot of thys and these. And so maybe that's an indication that we do, there's a respect and an awe of God, but maybe a distance for God. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you have heard people pray or you pray with incredible familiarity and comfort with God, almost maybe too familiar, like God's your homeboy, like kind of thing. And so maybe there's a little bit more of a reverence that's needed to come. What is kind of true in some parts of our Christian subcultures is we have a very strange relationship or disinclination towards sadness. Um, somehow we feel to be sad before the Lord is, is maybe not a reflection of true faith in God. Why would you be sad when, you know, Jesus is everything and what he's done for us and all that kind of thing. Um, 
and you can see it quickly. Just look at the songs that are popular, the songs that we sing. A lot of them are very happy songs and very joyful songs. Look at the books that often get published, you know, how to live your best life and those kind of things. And, and often preachers that we appreciate are ones that encourage us and exhort us and are full of inspiration. And there is nothing wrong with any of that. Uh, but we know the human experience is complex and sadness is a good part of emotions as well. It's a God given emotion. And so like Habakkuk, there are times when we just don't understand what's going on in our lives or the lives of the loved ones that we see around us or just in our world. And we do need to cry out. And so our approach to God is everything. And Habakkuk shows us another approach to God that is honest. And it's called the way of lament. Now, lament is just really being emotionally honest before God. Um, and it's coming from a posture of trust in God, not of, of cynicism. But it's trust and a familiarity with God enough to know that God already knows what's in my heart. I mean, being honest before him is more for me than it is for him. He already knows behind whatever words I may say. He knows what's really going on. And kind of like what Habakkuk does is we kind of see what's going on around us in our lives. We feel it, and then we respond. That's what uh, laments, the praying of prayers of lament are doing is they're responding well to what's going on versus venting to all other people around. We're taking that to God. And lament asks hard questions, kind of like Habakkuk, how long? That's a great, how long until you do something, God? And the great question, why? And sometimes we don't get great answers to that, or sometimes we don't get answers at all to that, but those are great places. Or Lament is a great way to channel those and Habakkuk shows us that. And so today we're just going to briefly look at what, how do we respond to silence? How do we respond to those lengthy times, those seasons where it does feel like God is absent? His silence is really deafening in our lives, in our world. And the first thing I want to remind us of is that silence is how it feels, but not how it is. Let's remember, um, the cloudy gloominess is how it feels but it doesn't mean the sun has died and gone away. It's just we can't feel it right now. We can't see it right now. And I know that's very real in those moments, but it's not a full picture of reality. I'm going to go to another time way before Habakkuk, a time of the nation of Israel. And it's early in the book of Exodus. And so the nation of Israel has been going through, I mean, season doesn't do it justice, some 400 years um, of slavery, they've been taken over and captivated by uh, the Egyptians, and they've been, as the promised people of God, they've been under the, the Egyptian rule for the longest, longest time. And um, it's just, as we enter the story, there's a man, Moses, that's just being raised up, that God's about to do something. But towards the end of chapter 2, I want to focus in on these beautiful words and uh, remind us that even though silence is sometimes, or absence is how we feel sometimes, it's not how it is. So join me, Exodus chapter 2, we're going to read the last uh, three verses of this chapter. It says, During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Lament. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. And I just want to remind us those underlying words are not in the past tense but also in the present tense that god hears god remembers god knows that god sees us sometimes when we don't feel it that is how it is that is the truth and it's hard sometimes to 
be emotionally honest and pay attention to our emotions and feel our feels, if you will, balancing that with the truth of reality. It feels like God's absent, feels like God doesn't care, but the truth is God is very present and God absolutely does care. God sees, knows, understands, is moved with compassion towards us, which brings us to the second thing we must remember as we respond well to seasons of silence, that sovereign silence has its purpose. It's purposeful. If we continue on in Habakkuk, in verse 5, God actually does answer him. God actually gives a response to him. And it's pretty insightful. Look what he says. He says, look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. And so in the midst of Habakkuk's feeling of despair of where is God? God, you feel like you're absent. What are you doing? What's going on? I don't understand why, how long. God enters the, the, the situation. He says, look and see. And that's a reminder to us that naturally when we're going through times of, of difficulty or seasons of feeling God's absence or questioning God, does he care? Can he, what is he up to? We tend to get very myopic in our outlook. We tend to get very focused on self or the particular pain and suffering that's caused. And that's absolutely human and understandable. But what God is trying to do is trying to say, hey, Habakkuk, you need to lift, look, and see. You need to look beyond your circumstance. Look beyond yourself and your immediate circumstances. Because if you do that, when you do that, wonder and be astounded. In other words, as our myopic view decreases as we get myopic in our outlook, so does our worship shrink. What God's doing is say, hey, if you get, get your eyes up and out, your worship, I become bigger again. I become exalted. Why? And here's why. I am always working. I am always working for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. God sees way more than we do, and God is doing way more than we can ever realize in any given time or situation. And so again, that's, those are truths that we need to hold on to as we grapple through that we need to remember the sun is always shining. Yeah, it is covered and hidden by these gloomy clouds, but that doesn't take away from the truthfulness and the reality that that sun is always shining. We just need to get a breakthrough through these clouds. And so what God does is look and see, look through the eyes of faith sometimes. That's all you can do is look up and see and remember who I am and that I am working. We sing a song that says that even um, when I don't feel it, you're always, I can't, what is it? What are the lyrics there? Even when, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. It's a Leland song. It's a great song to remind us that even when we don't feel something, it doesn't mean that it's not true, that God is working. So he responds to Habakkuk. And that's a good reminder for us if we're feeling those seasons of his absence. All right, let's quickly look then. Um, responding to silence further on. So biblically, biblically, there are probably just generally two reasons biblically why we might feel God's absence. The first one is incredibly obvious, but it's worthwhile reminding us. Number one is sin. What sin does, it separates and alienates us ultimately from God, from others, but that's what the nature of sin does. It brings a separation. Um, Isaiah 59 verse 2 spells it out pretty plainly for us. It says, your iniquities, another word for sin, have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he, that he does not hear. 
And so if we're in a season where it feels like God is absent, God is silent, maybe a, a first point of reflection is, well, am I doing something intentionally, deliberately that I know is sinful, that I know is wrong? Because then I can't expect to have an intimacy. I can't expect to have a closeness with God if I'm intentionally and willfully doing something that I know it's not according to his will. And so that would be just a great place to start and to see is there known sin in my life, right? And so um, we've got to be careful with that because then you can really begin to uh, look for sin where it's not there. But if we're living, if we're practicing and doing things that are sinful, then naturally we can expect that that's going to cause a separation and a feeling of distance between us and God. But the second reason is a lot more complex and a lot more nuanced. And it's not related to sin, but sometimes we feel God's absence because God has deliberately withdrawn or removed his felt presence from our lives. Um, in some traditions, Catholic tradition and some of the older mother church mothers and fathers, they refer to this as the dark night of the senses. So it feels like your senses to God's presence, your sense to God's presence is darkened, it's dull, it's it's numb. And the reason why this is a much more complex and nuanced way of why God, because it's it disorientates us. We think it's something wrong with us, but it's actually for our good. God is actually using a season of silence, of ab- felt absence, not the reality, but a felt absence of his presence from our lives in order to do some things purposefully in our lives. And at least three, it's probably more things that God wants to do with that, but at least three things that I can see that he wants to do with that. And the first thing is God uses, purposely uses silence in our lives to get our attention. Uh, C.S. Lewis uh, famously said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Uh, today, they talk about that we're an attention economy. In other words, um, big business, social media, if they can capture people's attention, that's where its profitability is. And so if you think about any app that's designed, it's designed to keep you on that app longer and longer and longer. And so our attention is being compete, is we, our attention, people are competing with our attention. Millions and billions of dollars is going into competing for our attention. And so sometimes we can um, become deaf. We can become lost in this world. And so sometimes uh, God needs to get our attention in extreme ways. And one of the ways that we can do that is when we feel his absence or when crisis comes before us or when we experience a situation in our lives that's jarring and it causes us to stop and cause and ask, God, where are you? What is going on in my life? Pay attention to that. God might be trying to get your attention with that situation. The second thing is that um, silence heightens or absence heightens our desire. You know this when we begin our week of prayer and fasting, the absence of food for a particular length of period of time heightens your desire for food, right? Your absence, the absence of withdrawal from uh, liquids or whatever kind of treats that you enjoy heightens your desire for that. In fact, oftentimes if you've experienced this uh, fasting for a few days, your sense of taste and smell gets more acute. It gets heightened. And so we know that in obviously a very physical way. Uh, there's another phrase in saying, if you're familiar, there's a familiarity breeds contempt, but absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? And so what that's saying is sometimes when we're used to something, like you think about a relationship. So I, I was thinking about this in my relationship. When, when uh, Chantal and I were first dating, we just couldn't wait to spend most time together. Uh, last, we're coming up to celebrate 21 years. We're very comfortable with each other's presence, right? 
And so sometimes you, you it's changes as an, as a relationship matures and grows, you get comfortable and used to one another's presence. And sometimes we can get too comfortable and take it for granted. And so maybe there's a time where I go away for a trip of five days, 10 days, whatever. And that absence makes, oh, wow, I actually miss this person. I actually appreciate this person. So absence makes the heart grow fonder. And so what God's absence or felt absence and silence from our lives is there to heighten our desire for God. I miss you. God, I long for you. God, where are you? God, where's the sense of your presence and purpose in my life? That's a hard thing, but it's a good thing. Otherwise, we just go through life indifferent to God's presence, and God's always with us. And so he can use it to heighten desire. So capture our attention, heighten our desire. And I think the third reason is maturity. God wants to grow us up. Now, if you know, if you're a parent or if you've uh, seen new parents, um, you'll know that young children, babies, infants, toddlers, young children, they'll go through stages of what's called separation anxiety, right? And so for very young children, if mom or dad are removed from the room, their absence is felt and they get anxious and they may cry and we may come to them and comfort them and say, it's okay, mom and dad are here, it's right here, that kind of thing. And that's appropriate at that age. If you're an 18-year-old and mom and dad leave the room and you're anxious and you start to cry for mom and dad, we would come in and we would comfort in a different tone. We'd say, hey, <laughs> you need to grow up. You should know better is something what we would say that would be appropriate, right? You should grow up. You should know better. And in a sense, this is what's happening in our relationship with God. That God wants to take us from being infants in our relationship with him through the times of adolescence to a time of adulthood and maturity. And one of the ways that we do that is we grow and we know better. We know the sun is always behind those darkened clouds. We know it feels bad when we don't see the sun for a long time. We know that. We feel that. But it should never uh, take away the fact that we know that that sun is there and it just takes a breaking through of those clouds to see that sun again like we have on this beautiful day today. And so maybe there's a season in your life where God's trying to grow you up. He's trying to mature you. He's trying to get you that place of like, you might feel like I'm absent, but I'm never absent from your life. The felt experience of my presence has been withdrawn from me because I want you to hunger and thirst me. I want there's greater depths of a relationship that he has for us through those seasons. And so to remind us that silence is how it feels, but not how it is. But silence, sovereign silence at least, is incredibly purposeful, can be incredibly good for us if we lean into it and embrace it for what it is. And so in seasons of feeling God's silence in our lives and others, maybe as you look at the world, what can we do? And I want to remind us that Jesus himself experienced this. He experienced the absence and silence of God in one of the most critical times of his life. You know, as we lead up to Easter, you're going to hear a lot of the stories of Jesus, you know, being tried and falsely accused and then going up to the cross and then even the words of Jesus that he spoke from the cross. But there's a very telling uh, psalm that Jesus quoted from, Psalm 22. Uh, 20, yeah, Psalm 22. When he was on the cross, the first line that Psalm says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As Jesus took on the sin of the world, your sin, my sin, 
as he took all of that on himself, as he came and fulfilled his purpose, what he was doing was bridging, redeeming humanity and creation back to God as it was originally supposed to be, as he was taking the weight of that on him, he felt the separation for the first time in his life from God. He had a perfect relationship with God. So can you imagine the intensity of that silence, of that absence? And he cried out, my God, he was being honest, right? We see that in Jesus. It was not a happy time for him. My God, my God, why have you forsaken? You've forsaken me. Have you ever felt like that? Good, you're in good company. Jesus knows what how that feels, to be forsaken, to feel like God's forsaken you. And we know this side of the cross that that was the, the most glorious moment. We know if it wasn't for that moment, you and I wouldn't have the hope that we have today. We know because in that moment and what was going to transpire in the next two days from that moment, his resurrection would change everything. That God was using even the silence, even the absence for a glorious purpose that you and I are the beneficiaries of today. And so for us to remember that when we're feeling it, that Jesus knows, Jesus sees, Jesus understands, he remembers, and he sees us, and he can identify with that. And he would be the first to remind us there's purpose in this. This purpose, your God is good. Your God has not forsaken or abandoned you. Your God is worthy to be trusted and worshipped, even in times where we feel his absence. And so four things, very practically, I can leave you with them. We'll wrap up and pray. Number one, speak to God. What can you do in times of silence? Don't return the favor. Don't give God the silent treatment. You feel like God's giving you the silent treatment. It's not your turn to now return the favor. Speak to God. Vent it out. Use the Psalms. Use the, if you don't have words to say, read some of the Psalms. The majority of our Psalms are laments. The majority of our Psalms are cries of anguish for God to do something in our lives, in the world, justice, whatever it is. But speak out to God. Number two, ignore the voice of your accuser. Ignore the voice of the demonic realm that would say, yeah, this is how God is. God doesn't care. God's not powerful in this situation. God is too busy to be bothered with your little life and existence. And so we can begin to believe those things, and it can match our experience. But that is not the reality. And so we need to remind ourselves, which comes to the next point. Number three is we need to remember what God has already spoken. In times of silence, we can go back to his word, and there's a lot that God has already said. That's as true as when he spoke it then as it is now. And so this is a time to lean in and to remind yourself who God is, to remind yourself of what God's already said, to stand on those truths in times when you do feel his absence in your life. And then lastly, as we speak, as we ignore, as we remember, we need to learn to listen for God's voice, perhaps through new or other sources. This is a time when we can get uh, encouraged through other people. Our church community can be an encouragement in these kind of times that we can get um, a comfort from God through uh, a friend, a spouse, a family member, that we be open to hearing God's voice through others or new sources. And so I want to pray for us as we wrap this up and close it up. And I want to acknowledge that these are difficult times, that these are um, not nice seasons to go through, but necessary seasons to go through. And we can come out on the other side even more grown up in our relationship with God, even God more closer to us than what we feel right now, if we will allow him to use it and do it for what he intends it for. 
And so I want to encourage you, if you feel like you're in that season right now, feels like God's absence is very prevalent in your life, this is a time to lean into your relationship with God, lean into community, not withdraw from, even when everything in you feels like it wants to be done like that way. God has a purpose, a very spe- specific, special purpose for this time in your life. And if you see it through with him, uh, you will look back with great fondness for that season uh, at a later date. The sun will break through the darkened clouds. Today, driving through here today was just a reminder of the gloriousness of that sun. It didn't take a lot of it just to remind me, like, yeah, the sun is so good. The sun is so good. Jesus is so good to us, even in times where it feels like the darkness is very prevalent. And so, Father, I want to thank you that you're reminding us, Lord, even with the tangibleness of creation, God, that sometimes it does feel like those clouds block out the sun for a significant time and affect us. And so even in our, as we look at that uh, picture, Lord, even in our relationship with you, it feels sometimes that there's dark clouds and gloominess. We feel the heaviness of the weight of the world or other people's problems or even our own situation. And so I thank you, Lord, that we can acknowledge that, that you're not afraid of our honesty. You welcome our honesty, that we, like a Habakkuk, can come before you. How long, God? Why? And yet you too want to say, look, see, wonder, be astounded. I am working. I am doing something. Trust me. I am good. And so we will need to hear that, God. And so help us to remember that silence is how it feels, but it not how it is, and that you have a purpose with sovereign silence in our lives, Lord. I pray for comfort for those who might be experiencing that right now, Lord. I pray that you would help us to be a source of your voice in their lives of encouragement and strength in times of your silence. In Jesus' name we pray this. You've been listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. Thanks for joining us. For more information, visit our website at everynationgta.org.